0: Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to part one of two in a series that we're simply calling the Spidey Rewatch. My name is Justin, and today with Spider-Man No Way Home, just days away, we're taking it back to Formula and rewatching all the past Spider-Man movies to get us ready for what will probably be a cinematic event. But before we get into that, if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek Centric, a podcast covering the world of film, television, gaming, toys, collectibles, and all things Geek Centric. Joining me for today's episode, as always, my two webhead friends, Nate and Kev. How are you boys?
1: Bonesaw is ready.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Doing well. I still can't Doing well.
2: believe how jacked up Macho Man was at like 45 years old. Insane. Crazy.
0: Crazy. Absolutely. Well, let's not waste any time and let's get right into it. As mentioned, today's episode is part one of two, where we are taking a look back at the past Spider-Man installments. And for today, part one, we'll be talking about what can only be dubbed as the Toby-verse directed by Sam Raimi and Mark Webb's Amazing Spider-Man series. The Uh, Garfield-verse, but not the cat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. The (laughs) Garfield-verse. I just thought it sounded weird. Um, After some discussion around each of these bodies of work, if you will, uh, we'll offer up our ranking and as a means to see which film is our favorite. Now, I'm certain this goes without saying, but we'll be talking about these movies in full spoilers. So I'm just going to say it so you know. And that's it. I mean, so, if you
1: haven't watched it at this point, like, <laughs> what are you doing?
0: That's on. one exactly. Uh, it's like... Spoiler
2: warnings of all time. <laughs> and think. it's in the title. It, it's,
0: though. you know, Spider-Man rewatch. Okay, anyway. So, with that out of the way, let's take a trip back to 2002, the release of Spider-Man, which then led to Spider-Man 2 in 2004, and then Spider-Man 3 in 2007, directed by Sam Raimi. I think we all know who stars in it, but, again... I'll just list off some of the iconic Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, William Defoe, Alfred Molina. I forgot Aunt May's name. Rosemary
1: Harris. How
0: dare you, Rosemary Harris. I'm sorry. She's incredible. I forgot to write her in. <laughs> uh, and then I also forgot... Uh, Thomas Hayden Church. So We got J.K. Simmons as well. And then you who plays it. Eddie Brock? Topher Grace. Grace. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, before we get into obviously ragging them, the conversation I'd love to have with you guys is what did you like and what didn't you like about each of these series? So let's start this series of film directed by uh, Sam Ramy. Free flowing. Just, just go at it. What did you like? What didn't you like? Kev.
2: You go back to the early 2000s, and, and superhero movies were, were um, faux pas almost. They were frowned upon. They they were clunking Cheap at the thrills. box office. Yeah. They just they weren't really highly regarded. And a lot of people want to give Fox and X-Men credit uh, for, for sort of launching this new age of superhero movies. But I think the quality of Spider-Man a year later is really what put it on the map and made people go, huh, Not only can these make a lot of money, but they can be pretty darn good, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Spider-Man shows the spectacle of superhero storytelling. Graphics and the abilities of what they could do to really create a very immersive experience. So that's a great call-out. But
1: I feel like like Spider-Man... I don't know, in my opinion, I think nailed it even more than X-Men as far as comic accuracy, as far as a translation is concerned. I think, you know, big kudos to to Sam Raimi and and everyone in that that trilogy of films for really getting the essence of Spider-Man the first time around, which, again, doesn't normally happen. And that this movie also basically invented the blueprint
2: for the origin story comic book movie absolutely. that we've yeah. seen 30 plus times over the lo- the, ne- the 20 years since so And even the same one again. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Yeah. We, we got a remake of it 10 years later. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that w- with that, you know, the things that work about it as you said, Nate, is nailing that feel for Spider-Man. In, in the first movie and really setting a tone that would carry very well through the three movies. Like it didn't lose its footing. I know well, we can discuss two and a half of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but see, my thing is, is like after watching Spider-Man three, honestly, if you didn't have uh, the the sort of need to have venom at the end of that last battle, and it just stayed focused on the storyline between him and Sandman and, yeah. and just, you know, nah, get Marco. rid of Sandman
2: too. It's, it should have been the Osborne, saga it should have been a a trilogy about Peter Parker dealing with the Osbournes and Franco sort of being the bad guy and then coming around at the end really would have made that a really nice complete arc I think
1: and you know to your point Kevin they had three movies to work with that character with 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 Harry and they they didn't get there from a, a, a from a character growth standpoint and that's that's probably my biggest problem with this this trilogy in general, is we have character depth for pretty much just Peter. There's Every other character doesn't really grow, except for, you could say, Dr. Ock, right? Octavius. And I think they tried to do that again in the third one, but they did it three times over and it was unnecessary. So yeah, you're right. If they had just said, let's let's focus in, let's take what we learned in two and apply that to Harry, we would have had a much better time in three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it loses focus by cramming way too many villains at the in, in that part. And why does it need to be that, right? Like That just, was the it,
2: studios butting in and saying, listen, Sam, we know you absolutely nailed it with the last one, but we still don't trust your judgment. We are of the opinion that we need Venom because he's such a popular fan character. Find a way to get him in there, and it just ruins what could have been a much better movie. Yeah,
0: yeah honestly, though, I, I agree with you, Nate. This series is about, you know, Peter Parker's growth. More so than anyone else. Like even Mary Jane, she goes from. She doesn't change she doesn't change she, she just goes back and change. forth I just yeah. I feel sorry for her character she's like yeah. a tragic character but and I, and you, know,
1: you know her performance was was good like I didn't mind for her performance she's a great actress of Absolutely. Course, but
0: they didn't give her any sort of depth to her character like they did with
1: Peter by this third movie I'm like I'm tired of seeing the will they won't they that shouldn't be a part of this at this point they should be just yeah. married that should be a whole thing yeah. their the relationship
2: is way too flaky that over three movies it doesn't feel real by the end it doesn't feel genuine
1: and that's something the next series nails so much better Mm. i think both uh uncle ben and may in this trilogy might be my my favorite uncle ben and may um at least between at least between the, the two uh movie series that we're talking about in this podcast but rosemary harris i think in three Gives probably one of the best scenes where she's talking about the ring and and how she got it. Um, you know, when 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 Ben proposed to her, I thought was phenomenal. And Ben and Ben Parker's death still hit for me. Like rewatching it, I was like, this is this is good. Like this is actually really good.
2: Yeah, but do you not remember the scene when Green Goblin breaks sure. into okay. the house?
1: Listen, there's good parts. <laughs> It's so, it's so, she makes Willem
2: Dafoe look like a reserved performance in that scene. Like,
0: yes, Sure, okay, Yeah, but I also, I also don't think that Sam Raimi should have shot that scene. Right. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's terrifying. You know, when we talk about performances as well, Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina are probably some of the highlight standout characters in this series in terms of villains.
2: I mean Willem Dafoe is too campy, he's too over the top, he's too cartoony and I comic loved it. booky. At the time it it worked, it 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 <laughs> it was that sort of early two thousands sort of niche acting, but it doesn't age very well. It doesn't help that the costume is stupid and Uh, goofy-looking. I mean, don't get me wrong. The next series we're going to talk about somehow makes a worse-looking Green Goblin. But, you know, you've got an evil Power Ranger you know uh and right. it just it, it 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 does come off a bit too much at times it's it's still menacing as he's flying around bombing
0: balconies
1: and stuff but. it's so right.
0: funny though I think that's what plays really well right like it's it's so funny I think
1: but Justin I think we're talking about two different things here there's there's campy cheesy bad writing bad dialogue bad whatever and then there's there's campy cheesy nostalgic comic book goodness and Sam Raimi reaches the highs and lows of both, both. of those that's throughout true. this trilogy and we especially get it in the second half of the third movie when we get the the emo spidey dancing and Aww. and doing the, the 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 points and everything like that like those those were the moments where i was just like is this the same Director as two, like I, I was <laughs> yeah, like, is exactly. this the same guy? I had to look it
2: up. I was like, it is. Let's talk about that scene because it is maybe one of the most iconic sort of sequences <laughs> in comic book film history, and people have tried to defend it years later, saying, no. "Oh, they were, they were, they were spoofing themselves. They it mm-hmm. was intentionally funny." No, we were not supposed to be laughing out loud in the theater when this was happening. And it completely takes you out of the movie. It completely ruins it. And it's just 15 minutes of my life that every time I watch it, I go, I've just wasted another 15 minutes of my life.
0: Yeah, dancing Peter Parker was probably the dumbest thing that could have been ever added to that movie. You're absolutely right. It takes you out. That's
2: pure Sam Raimi. That's why I don't trust the guy as a filmmaker because as great as he can be at certain aspects and and the things that he does well, he does really well, but his taste is is really off sometimes and it makes you question what he's thinking sometimes and you blame the studios all you want for too many villains throwing in venom where he doesn't belong all of that and i'm fine with it but that was pure sam raimi and toby Maguire sitting down and they're clearly not very cool people if that's what they thought
1: would make peter parker look cool i do want to just say like in terms of um the this this trilogy of movies though i was going back and re-watching them I was shocked. I'm like Elizabeth Banks is in this these movies as, I as Betty Brandt. Like what? And then yeah, and then we've got like Octavia Randy Spencer. Savage, and then Octavia Spencer is in the in the movie for a quick second. Like there's <laughs> Gotta a ton be with of, you. <laughs> she's the check-in girl, and then Bruce Campbell. Okay, so uh, can I just quickly shout something out really quick? I promise it'll be short. Bruce Campbell is Mephisto in this series. I don't know if he will be <laughs> Mephisto again, but he is Mephisto in the series. Because think about it. Every time we see him, and I know it's like a funny thing because him and, and Sam Raimi are friends, but every time we see him, he's at one of the lowest points in Peter's life. Right? He's at one of the darkest moments of his life when he when he is in the wrestling ring. He's one it he gives him a name, so he's there when his when his uncle dies. He's there when uh, he tries to go see uh, MJ at the play, and that whole descent starts to happen because he doesn't let him in. And he's there again when when freaking MJ like breaks up with him because he kisses. Gwen or whatever, right? So it's like that that blows my mind, and it would just be so perfect if they if if an MCU writer was to retrofit that as Mephisto. I don't know. I'm just I'm gonna throw that out there. <laughs> I just need to get it off my chest. One last no, time. I promise I won't bring it up. I, I
0: put out the tweet that I thought that that Bruce Campbell could be Mephisto, no problem, yeah, right?
2: Yeah. But I did want to talk about, you know, sort of going back and, and retconning. I think one of the worst things they did was take a great character. With a great story like Sandman and retcon the idea that he was the one that killed Peter Parker's uncle just for the sake of it to give Peter an extra motivation to go after him instead of just fighting a bad guy like a superhero does. I thought that was so unnecessary and ruins that character and his arc.
0: It, it also goes back on the events of the first movie. I get what he was trying to do to draw out this sort of vengeance side of right. Peter Parker, right? Like that's the trope that he's playing with and that the symbiote is, is really enhancing, right? Because that's, that's a constant theme in the third movie is is sort of revenge and vengeance that the suit kind of fuels him so that he can do. If he was the only villain, would have been phenomenal. That would have been Doc Ock elevated even more
1: because of his, of his daughter. You know what I mean? Like, the moment you bring a, a father-daughter relationship into the fold in your villain, boom. You've got every single parent in the audience. Hearts are ready to pour themselves out for this guy. So, but, but, but they just, it, it was so poorly handled because it was just that, but then this, but then that, but then this other thing. It Honestly, I was like, how long is this movie? It's got to be three and a half hours long. Because
2: it felt like five different movies and it changes tone and it changes direction and it changes the stories that are taking place so frequently that it's just a jumbled mess that just in the end doesn't really work and really brings down what is otherwise a really good, uh, you know, string of movies.
1: And nobody talks, nobody talks like that. Like the third one, I was like, the dialogue is, is just terrible because like, like you want forgiveness? Get religion. Like what are you talking about? Is that to set up the scene where he walks into a church? Like why? Like nobody talks like these characters. The only other thing I want to quickly just just rag on is is they're too old. They're too old in this series. We're going to about to talk about the next one, but they're too old in this series. It's Toby's like why are we watching Seven
2: in the first one <laughs> why are he's 27 all these adults yeah. in in high school? It's just yeah, Flash Thompson that's like a 35-year-old man. Joe Joe <laughs> Manganiello is like 35. You know, it's like, how many times did this guy fail grade 10 that he's still in high school?
0: A hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Um, okay, well, five years pass after we get out of the Sam Raimi-verse uh, in 2007. And uh, you know what? Like any old, good old franchise, there's a reboot. And not before, obviously, there were some attempts to kind of bring back Sam Raimi and and Toby, to do a Spider-Man 4, but discussions were had, and that just never came to be, Uh, and I think Sony really just wanted something new at this point, so enter Mark Webb, who brought us The Amazing Spider-Man, which was uh, from 2012, and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 from 2014. This, of course, starred Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, Sally Field, Dennis Leary, Martin Sheen, Reese Iffins. Dane DeHaan and yeah, um, and Jamie Fox just and Jamie Fox and yeah, freaking Paul
1: Giamatti,
0: oh <laughs> <Ugh>, yeah. <laughs>
1: and Felicity Jones was in this movie for some yeah, reason, they,
0: which they really tried hard. And and I feel like they they what they tried to do was with this series is create their own bastardized version of a Marvel movie. What Marvel right. was doing really sure. really well at with the time, universe yeah. building, especially at the time, to really kind of challenge hey we got spider-man so we can be cool and uh mix up of, of a nolan verse you know they tried to really go romantic teen heartthrob sort of feel with it with yeah the, a bit with of punk rock of, in there as well yeah, Not so much with, of with a nerd field and uh, and yeah. a stone casting so i feel like and also to, to just point out you know mark webb notably directed i think one of the best like modern love stories which is 500 days of summer i think that that's probably one of my favorite like romantic movies starring uh zoe deschanel and joseph gordon levitt and they had such a natural chemistry and i feel like that is what mark webb's sensibility was with this movie is he gave a great romantic uh, relationship to Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, but when it comes to everything else, the pure spectacle, everything falls short with this movie.
2: I think I'm I, I, I'm so disappointed because I think the casting is so much better in these yes. movies. For me, I think I think uh, I like Andrew Garfield in the suit at least as Spider Man better. I think maybe Toby was a better Peter. Uh, Andrew was a better Spider Man, but like I oh, love I like that idea. I yeah. love Emma Stone. Um, as as uh, Gwen Stacy, far more than I liked Kirsten Dunst. Um, I like Martin Sheen and Sally Field as Uncle Ben and Aunt May better than the 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 actors for the 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 Sam Raimi trilogy. Uh, I think Reese Siffins made a terrific human villain uh, that just had some of the worst aesthetics when he's the lizard that ruins the character entirely, not to mention his motives. Uh, I think they had so much going for them, and the problem is, it was only five years later, and they are trying to literally not just reboot the series, but redo it. It was Retell way it. too <clears throat> similar. Yeah. That's what really holds this this these two movies back from from being better, is, is the idea that it's just a remake of movies we'd seen a decade or less earlier.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, and I think that you know they 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 were just trying really really hard with this series to sort of play catch up and you know uh, you know they can see marvel was doing really really well with their cinematic universe and they said oh we can do that as well so it was really apparent well so. you
1: just said the word apparent you know speaking of parents i do think that this movie does uh, i give it credit for trying to explore his parents to explore richard parker and mary parker it's it's not the best story you could have given them as they're like these secret agents or whatever and like why doesn't he have money I don't understand um but like they have their own private plane but he doesn't have any money um I I just don't understand why they chose to go that route with them but I do I do applaud them for at least saying that's something different that we can explore that's part of an origin story that we can dive into it just felt out of place and again just unrealistic it takes too much away from what should be his origin story and that's
2: Essentially causing the death of his uncle. And that sort of gets brushed away. That's true. And they tack in this unnecessary story about his parents. And it's done even worse in Amazing Spider-Man 2, in that they take away the idea that Peter Parker's just an average guy who happens to get these super abilities and all of a sudden then that that whole the whole mantra of Spider-Man Uh, You know, with great power comes great responsibility, and it's up to this regular Joe to use this power wisely. In the second one, they essentially make it that he is the only person genetically able to become Spider Man because of weird experiments with spiders that his father did. Like, that just takes away that whole average Joe idea and completely ruins it. And it's just a mystery that even the actors don't seem to care about. It's shoehorned in throughout the two movies and nobody really pays enough attention to it to really give a damn.
0: No, I totally agree. And I think it just goes back to what I was saying. They were really trying hard to build a a universe and and a thread through this, what was supposed to be a trilogy. And with all this mystery and these question marks, you know, like you're saying, Kevin, just nobody cared. Uh, But going back to what you were saying right off the bat, I think a big win for me for this series is the casting i really loved andrew garfield and emma stone their their chemistry felt so natural it felt so real um and you know when you then see them in in amazing spider-man 2 you see how comfortable they are with their characters they they've gotten comfortable but you know number one was literally like watching a romance blossom so I, i thought it was done well
1: I agree with you in the second movie. In the first movie, I do want to just say the dialogue in most of the scenes where they interact, where it's bumbling uh, yeah, yeah, and they're nervous and stuff like that. That's cool. I get that. But the majority of it didn't feel like it was written at all. It felt yeah, like exactly. they just said, that's... go there and do that. It is. It comes off cringe. Most of the time where you're just like, this does not feel good and it comes through in the second one even more, though, or sorry, even less, which is a good thing. We get more of the quippy Spider-Man and, and you can you can tell that Andrew Garfield is so much more confident in the character as Spider-Man because he really gets to be Spider-Man in the sequel. And that opener, I will say, is phenomenal. I do think it's such a good moment where we do get to see him. He's cracking jokes. He's trying to get to the graduation ceremony. Um, I, I really do think that for me, the second one of these movies got it much better than the first one, especially for his, as you said, Kevin, his Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. But let's move into villains. Now, I got to say, I, I think this movie has some like some of the worst villains that we've seen from the Spider-Man universe. But it does look like we will be seeing at least two of these villains reprising their roles in Spider-Man No Way Home. And I gotta say, Jamie Foxx is a lecturer. I'm interested to see what he's going to do just because of how much I disliked him in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I just, he was really bad. Like It seemed like he was really overacting most of the time.
1: Because he if, had to, if, Justin. He's covered in blue CGI. What do you yeah, expect? Well, it's the character, with, the, not him. He
2: what he, he, can't, he could not do a single thing to make that iteration of Electro
1: sure. work. No,
0: I'm not, I don't even just mean as Electro. I even mean as like his... his oh, like his bumbling dirty, sort of... Hers, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Max Dillon. Yeah.
0: I think he did what he could. I, I don't doubt that he's a fantastic actor, but I think he elevated his acting so much for it. I don't think you really need to. I, I'm, I'm interested to see, though, how much his character portrayal might be different in No Way Home. Now, the
1: music in both of these, these universes, I think, is, is fantastic. I think, uh, you know, second in the first one. Second one sucks. Second, second but can one I just say sucks. something about the second one? The, the worst The worst moment is the Max Dillon theme. I'm not talking about Electro, even though that's pretty bad too. Where it's, yeah, where it's like they're just the whispering at him or whatever. And then it's like,
0: butt it's his psyche. It's his but, psyche.
1: But, yeah. but Max Dillon specifically, it sounds like the Wet Bandit music. From, which like works for Home Alone, but doesn't work for this movie where it's like, and it's like, what am I? Is this a Spider-Man movie? When
2: he's when he's in Times Square and looking around and he's like about to try and kill tens of thousands of people and it's right. So,
0: yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the hip-hop vibe that they were going for and the balance between the cinematic score just it didn't work. Uh, but that being said, like that, the whole score itself, like I said, it sucked. It it felt so like it was trying to be something that it wasn't. And, you know, again, I come back to the cast, you know, Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker and Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy was the highlight of this movie series to the point when, you know, she dies in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, like I felt something. Like I actually felt something. It was sad to see that.
1: Balls on them, right? The balls on them to kill Gwen Stacy. Like that, honestly. Say what you will about how it happens, and I know that's memed all over the place with the the spiderweb hand coming out and whatever. Sure. Oh my but god. But I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but I will that was, say that was, that, was cool. that was cool to their chemistry and to the fact that you you see them. Finally, in the second one as a confident and then not confident, then confident, then on and on, whatever couple. Oh, like it's a punch to the gut even now watching it. And I don't even care to see these characters ever again, but I was like that sucks. Like it's such a it's dark ending. It's the most
2: daring movie in any comic book movie ever I in would my say opinion. So. Like it's it's bigger than seeing a superhero die a triumphant death to right. to have your hero not be able to save somebody, let alone the love of his life in such a crushing fashion. It 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 hasn't been done it, 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 to that uh extent and I think that, that moment alone kind of redeems what is otherwise a pretty clunky movie um, otherwise. Uh, but I, I just want to say, for years, I had this real chip on my shoulder that, oh, Electro was so terrible, and he ruined that movie. And he isn't the worst part of that movie. No. Dane DeHaan is <laughs> the Green Goblin is maybe cinema's worst villain. Like, oh. I, give me five Arnold Schwarzeneggers as Mr. Freeze over one <laughs> Dane DeHaan wow. as the Green Goblin. From a from a design standpoint, from his acting choices to his his Motives. motivations, it's all yeah. awful. And this he's growing awful. elf yeah. ears and, and yeah. cackling and oh my god. Yeah. Again it was... another instance of making Willem Dafoe look reserved in the performance of the Green <laughs> Goblin.
0: Yeah, and again, if we're looking at goblins that you know, I think Defoe did it better obviously Uh, Yeah. well speaking of Defoe let's move into some questions I know we could talk about these movies forever but uh, I'd love to know you know many of the villains that we've seen in two series the Toby verse and the the Garfield verse if you will um, we know we're going to be seeing them in no way home so I got to know which of the villains from these past movies are you most excited to see
2: I mean, I think the, the no-brainer answer is obviously Alfred Merlina as Doc Ock. He's still not just one of the best Spider-Man villains of all time, but one of the best comic book movie villains we've had in this 20-year run of you know the resurgence of this type of movie. And I just think his character deserves a sort of chance at redemption. I know he gets yep. it at the end of the second movie, but I think to see him actually fight alongside Peter Parker in this one as his friend, which I think is the direction they're going to end up going with him. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So it's it's funny. I don't I don't consider him a villain going into this movie, uh, just because of the way he died saving the world, and because I think he is going to team up to try and help Peter restore balance to the universe. Uh, I'm most excited, and he, again, he's a knockout actor with a, a who brought such depth
1: to a great role. I think it'll be really interesting to see. Where they're going to be grabbing these villains in the timelines that we know them in. Because, as far as I'm aware, like, you know, Sandman at the end of three, he was a good character. Right. He's like he they they said, hey, listen, he's like, we've all made mistakes. I forgive you. You killed my uncle for no reason. It was a poor plot choice, but I still (laughs) forgive you. Go be with your daughter and float away in the air. And it was honestly the sunset was beautiful. So, you know, they're obviously not pulling him from there. So I'm really interested. Honestly, I'm interested to see if they even do anything with Sandman or if he's just going to be a big giant sand blob uh, i could see them just going that route because i think i think the risk that we run bringing in all these villains is exactly what we're talking about with the biggest problems of Spider-Man 3 and Amazing 2 which is the too many villains problem and i'm that's got me a little on edge for this and i know mcu listen kevin Feige, he, he can, they can do, they can do it but i'm I, just i think it's a i think worried. it's
0: pretty safe to say though that they're sandman and probably the lizard uh, are going to just be that they're just going to be monsters. They're just going to be CGI characters. If there's any sort of uh, thing that the original actors need to provide, is probably voice work, which yeah. is probably very easy to do.
2: Rewatching it, the more it made me think. In the in the trailer for for No Way Home, you hear Doctor Strange say, "The one thing they all have in common is that they died at the hands of Peter Parker." Right. But the two characters we've talked about did not die. At it's least true. in this in those universes that we saw. Right. And so, I do think that's how you make them just more ancillary. It'll be cool to see them. They'll add, uh, you know, numbers to the threat that that's facing sure. our Spider Man or Spider Men. Uh, but no, I think the focus <laughs> is going to be on the main three in Green Goblin, um, uh, Doc Ock, and then Jamie Foxx. I actually find it interesting. That an Oscar winning actor like Jamie Foxx gets to come back and redo a role. And I think. You know, you see him at three different parts or three different scenes in the trailer. So I think he's gonna have a larger role than some of the less lesser characters. And I think he was really excited in a panel I watched with the three main baddies, talking yeah. about how much he hated the take that the Mark Webb movies did with the character and how excited he is to not be blue. I think he's gonna to get to talk as a human being with a power suit on rather than as this transformative blob of blue energy. And so I'm
1: excited to see what he gets to do with a, a, a retcon on that character. It'll be interesting to see if the Max Dylan comes back out a little bit. If we do get to see that sort of that, that thirst for, I need the attention, all eyes on me, it'll be cool to see if they can still uh, get that and hammer that home. And that's the other big thing about bringing these villains in, to the the this movie at least, maybe not the MCU, but this movie in the sense of like, I'm just excited to see how they can give the nostalgic feels from this movie from these series that we've gotten so far. Where we can having rewatched them now, we can go in and be like, oh, that's a callback to like this moment that not too many people care about because maybe they didn't even watch these ones, right? But I don't know, man. It's it's uh, I, I am really stoked for these villains.
2: Yeah, and it's gonna be interesting to see the balance of how. They can't have all of these characters singling out on the not their Spider-Man version, right? Like it just—they they have to have the other Spider-Men in this movie, just because that—that is our only link to these other villains. It won't work otherwise, I don't think. So
0: no, I totally agree. And and before we move into my next question, I just want to say I am very excited to see Willem Dafoe return as the Green Goblin. Um I loved him. I think he was great. I actually enjoyed how he created the dramatization between uh Norman Osborn and the sort of schizophrenic goblin. Uh that mirror scene in the first movie when he's doing it, he's literally doing it in one take as yeah. he's acting off of the mirror. Brilliant. That was that um, was like
1: that was Gollum <clears throat> level sort of sure. feelings, right? Sort of yes, vibes. Yes, absolutely.
0: I totally agree with you there. Um, but yes, let's move into my next question. You know, we mentioned spider man and it is heavily rumored that we may see the return of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in No Way Home. So I gotta know, guys, which of these two Spider-Men was was your favorite, uh, or are you excited to see your best version? Uh, we've kind of touched on this, I think. Uh, I really
1: like Kevin's answer from before. Like, I love that idea. It's kind of a cop-out answer, I'll be honest with you. But I, I love it. I love the fact that you're like, Toby's a better Peter, and Garfield's a better Spider-Man. Um, I am just going to say, if we had to pick one, though, I'm going to go with my boy Toby. Like, he's the OG. I, I just think he's... He, again, Peter Parker, I think, is the the most human part of obviously uh spider-man and he's the part that i think i connect with more uh than andrew garfield's peter parker so i'm I'm gonna go Mm. i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with uh toby mcguire as my favorite spider-man from at least these
0: series yeah i'm gonna say from these series andrew garfield and how connected and real andrew garfield feels as peter parker what he brought to that character toby's role felt so staged like he he was acting right and, and that might have something to do with as kevin mentioned uh, you know earlier the sort of faux pas of superhero movies they were more of like dramatizations and that that's the sort of approach right. that you had right yeah so that might with. have been why toby's was a little bit more theatrical yeah. but with andrew garfield you got something that was so real and so natural and authentic and and it just gave so much more depth and, and emotional depth for uh, his character because he those scenes when when toby's trying to be emotional I don't know. They're they're mean really? for a reason. I thought
2: they were great. Oh no! Oh, they're they're awful. He's been oh, mean to death worst. for a reason. And and, and and while I have certain aspects of Garfield's take that I don't think hit the nail on the head, I think he he does a better job at more things than Toby did. And I just think. Yes. If I had to choose one, it would be Garfield all day, and it might be unfair because Toby had one more movie to do it in. But I just think there are more bad Toby moments than there are bad Garfield moments, just hands I down. It. And and it, there's a great little video, 10-second clip, circling the interweb with Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire yelling "woo" at each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> give me, give me Garfield's "woo" over Toby's "woo" any day of the week.
0: <laughs> yeah, woo! for sure. Okay, well, let's get to ranking these movies now that we've kind of gotten out of those bonus question rounds. So uh, I'd love to know in what order, from least favorite to favorite, how would you rank these five movies? From
1: least favorite to favorite. Um, Nate, okay. why don't you start this off? Yeah, I mean, the the obvious answer for least favorite, I think, is going to be for all of us, uh, for at least, I don't know, Spider-Man 3. Um, Spider-Man 3, again, as we've said, for all the reasons, it just, it's just way too stuffed. They try too much. And it just it, it at times I didn't feel like it was even made by the same people as the first two. So Spider Man three. So the next one I would say after three for me, um, the next one up would be Amazing Spider Man one. Um, I just rewatching it. I just felt it just didn't work for me for so many reasons, and a lot of it had to do with with dialogue and um, just a lot of the choices that they made around. I think for me, Peter's character, so cringy watching it back. Two, I thought was so much better. So I'm going to go Amazing 2 next. Um, I thought Amazing 2, is honestly, for even though they, they really screw up the villains, I think they nail Spider-Man even better in that one. Uh, and the, again, the balls on them to kill Gwen Stacy. Then we're going to go Spider-Man 1, the one that started it all. Again, I think they really got, the, for them to get off the bat, a universally loved Spider-Man, that's a really big deal. And so I think uh, it definitely deserves praise there. And then the top one, Spider-Man 2. It's just a good movie overall. It's a fun movie. It's a movie you want to watch over and over again, I, it was one of the first movies that I actually, even as as I was younger, left the theater and thought, I want to go right back in there and watch it again, just like Pirates, just like Guardians. So for me, uh, number two, Spider-Man 2, Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man 2, uh, is the best of these movies.
0: Kev, how about you? What What's your ranking? Uh, yeah, lines? I mean,
2: this list was pretty easy to put together for me, with the exception of of the worst. Picking the biggest turd was kind of hard, but yeah, the, the other right? three were really easy. I think this list would be a lot harder to, to put together uh, if we were to do all eight, if you will, of the Spider-Man movies that have come out, especially because we're leaving out three of the four best ones. Um, but so, to, to, to with the five that we're talking about, I was really back and forth between Spider-Man 3 or Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, I think they both suffer from a lot of the same issues, over-convoluted, absolutely atrocious villains. Only thing that redeemed Amazing Spider-Man 2 over Spider-Man 3 for me was the death of Gwen Stacy because at least they did something with stakes in that movie. A close fourth place would be Amazing Spider-Man 2. Amazing Spider-Man 1 comes in at third. Uh, That movie gets better every time I watch it somehow. Uh, I think they did a lot right there, and it's just a shame that silly little things like the execution of the look of the lizard really hampers that movie. The fact that he has an underground sewer laboratory. How did he get the machinery down there? It's just, (laughs) it's always bothered me. And that bloody crane scene. Is pure cheese in all the wrong ways. Like I'm just surprised the crane drivers weren't giving him thumbs up each time he <laughs> swung by their cabin.
1: That's kind of like that part. Yeah, we did I it. Kind of yeah. I'm he's not gonna going lie.
2: Spidey. Like if that was <laughs> Sam Raimi, you know he would have done that. Um, moving into second place, you called it right, the one that started it all. Uh, it's an incredible movie uh, it's aged really well in most aspects with exception to Power Ranger Green Goblin and Willem Dafoe leaping up onto the table shirtless <laughs> ah, I mean there are just some moments that are trash but the romance between Peter and Mary Jane really works in that one and that's why the the other two are such a, or the, at least the third one is such a letdown uh, then moving right into the best Spider-Man movie and one of the best comic book movies of all time still to this day Spider-Man 2, uh, an incredible performance by your main character who's struggling still to identify between Peter Parker and Spider-Man and then a great villain with a, a top-notch performance from Alfred Molina that's Sam Raimi at his peak that's his best movie ever and again yeah top scores in terms of comic book movies of all time
0: cool awesome yeah I'm, I'm actually I think I'm on the same page as, as as you Kev for for most which was the biggest turd uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely gave that to Spider-Man 3. You do not have Dancing Peter Parker in the middle of this movie, which is already feels so smashed together with, with so much. It just takes you out as an audience member, even to this day. It's the one thing when I watch it, it, it reminds me of how much in the theater I just felt like I exited the movie. I literally was outside right. of the movie. You're not even in your moment. body at that point. No, yet. I mean it, no, at this it was point, like it's
2: a gift to humanity because of how atrociously funny it is <laughs> in it the is, worst absolutely. Ways. But at the time it ruined a trilogy essentially.
0: Sure. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And it ruined it it totally ruined the the whatever trajectory this move that movie was going for. Uh Amazing Spider Man two would be fourth. Uh, For me as well, Um, again, it suffers from a lot of the same problems as Spider-Man 3. It's overstuffed with its villains. It's trying to do way too much. It doesn't know what it's trying to say. They still are anchored by, yes, a fantastic casting. And they did kill Gwen Stacy. As Nate said, the balls on them to do that. Uh, Then for number three... I'd say Amazing Spider-Man 1 as well. I think that that one is probably the better of the two. If you're, if you're looking at two turds, I'd go with that turd. I enjoyed some of the aspects of what they did with with Doc Connors. There was some of it that was, as you said, Kevin was just a little too far-reaching, but I enjoyed bringing his origin story to life. I think one thing that all of these Spider-Man movies do to a degree is have a really strong origin story for their villains. Doc Connors gets his, and that's, that's sort of nice. Um, and then number two uh, is actually, I think I am going to go with, uh, Spider-Man 2. I love Spider-Man 2, don't get me wrong. I think I think actually the first two movies are the best examples of vintage comic book movies are. Sure. If that sounds the right original. like the the original, right? Like they had it all. They had the good origin story in the first one and in the second one they had a really great origin story for the villain that that gets a redemption at the end. It was just such a great arc. You have it anchored with a solid cast of 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 Alfred Molina. It it was hard to see. It was, it was really tough to decide which one goes ahead, but when I rewatched number one, you know, as Nate, as you said, like after I saw it the first time, I wanted to go see it again and again. And I think I saw that movie three times in theaters and it is laughable at parts. But I think that that's kind of the the cheeky, fun nature of bringing in some of that Spidey camp. Because Spidey does have a bit of campiness to it. Mm-hmm. And maybe, again, as, as Kevin pointed out, that faux pas of superhero movies and dramatizing it and making it very theatrical, that kind of plays into it. So I'll, it's passable, and it doesn't necessarily overreach, unlike in the third movie where we have Peter Parker dancing in the street. Guns. So, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, number two is going to be Spider-Man 2. And number one for me is going to be the original, the, the one that started it all, Spider-Man 1. Just because, again... It is a really great comic book origin story, and Spider-Man 2 is a really great example of a comic book movie sequel. Um, So, yeah. Well, that wraps up part one of our two-part special where we are re-watching all of the Spider-Man movies. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, feel free to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And we would love to know what your thoughts are. Who was your favorite Spider-Man of these movies? Is there a favorite villain from these movies? Are you a fan of Dancing Peter Parker in Spider-Man 3? Let us know by email at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter, at GeekcentricYT. Or you can reach out to us on Instagram, at WeAreGeekcentric. Join us for part two of this series, where we will be discussing the MCU Spider-Man movie starring Tom Holland. Plus, we'll be going into predictions leading right into Spider-Man No Way Home, which drops later this week. So you won't want to miss that. So be sure to subscribe. And as always, we have a whole bunch of other content for you to enjoy outside of the Spider-Man universe. But until next time, as we say, Flip, whip, whip, whip,
1: Spider-Man!